Sports Etc. is New England's hockey leader and original goalie superstore. Established in 1980 in the hockey-rich area of Greater Boston, we have been servicing New England's hockey players and goalies for more than 30 years. We understand that anyone can sell hockey equipment, but not everyone can truly fit hockey equipment. If you've been here, you know we simply do not take shortcuts or sacrifice fit to make a sale. That is what we are trying to bring to the table as we expand our business to the World Wide Web. There are a lot of places to get hockey equipment online, so you have a choice. You can buy from a hockey website, or you can buy from a professional hockey shop with real employees that fit gear every day. There is a difference, and the difference is service and expertise. Located at 1303 Mass Ave in Arlington, experience the difference at Sports Etc. Welcome back to the My Hockey Live podcast presented by Sports Etc. in Arlington. My name is Brandon Hall, joined by Jake Levin today of the Boston Globe and My Hockey Live. Jake, welcome back. Brandon, happy Monday to you. Big Monday here with uh, the Ken Jennings era beginning on Jeopardy. The weakest link is back. And of course, the college football national championship. But more importantly, high school hockey is back kind of in full swing I guess we could say parts of high school hockey anyway right we've got some we've had some cancellations but what we have had for games have been interesting it's a little bit of a different format this year explain what you've seen you've seen a couple of games in the last week what what is it that you've seen out on the ice that's been the same or different so I've been to four games thus far this season uh four different leagues uh three boys games one girls game so I've seen lots of different, um, I guess, pedigrees of programs, you could say. And all four leagues uh, that I've seen are utilizing two 22-and-a-half-minute halves this season rather than your conventional three 15-minute periods. So I saw the Woburn-Arlington girls game a week ago Saturday. I saw Norwood-Hopkinton boys. That's a Tri-Valley League game on Wednesday. Walpole-Milton, Bay State Conference Saturday. And then finally yesterday, Catholic Conference got underway. BC High, CM. Everybody's going with 22-and-a-half-minute halves. I'm told not every league is doing this. I know the Patriot League, at least in boys hockey, is still doing uh, three 15s. And I think girls hockey is as well, for that matter. But I haven't seen a Patriot League game yet, so I haven't gotten to see it. Um one thought that I think we had discussed is that, well, what if the game starts to get away from you? And, you know, small, small sample size here, but none of the games that I've seen turned into blowouts until that second half. And that's not to say every game I saw was a blowout. Uh, the girls game I saw, that was a 1-0 game at the half. The Norwood Hopkinton game was a 2-1 game at the half the Walpole Milton game was 1-0 and then yesterday BC High CM even though BC High went on to win 7-1 it was only 2-0 with the half and BC didn't get their second goal until uh 20 minutes 46 seconds into that first half so I don't think it's gonna prevent any sort of great comebacks here or any you know uh competitiveness I don't think it's an issue in that regard I do think though um, it could start to affect the ice in some of these games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk about the speed and how the speed in the Catholic Conference might be a little bit different than the speed in the Tri-Valley League or League, you know, anywhere like that. I didn't really notice the ice getting uh, that worn down, though, especially, and this probably helped, too, that especially the Norwood game and the BCI game, 
those teams are playing at new rinks this year. Norwood is at the Skating Club of Boston's uh, hockey rink in Norwood. It's their new home rink after uh, decades, basically, of looking for a rink in the town of Norwood. Brand new rinks. That's well-groomed ice, and uh, it looked great to me. NHL-sized rink. And then BC High is down at Fair this year because of the Clark Athletic Center in Boston uh, has stayed closed amid the pandemic. So they're playing at this Fair building that I believe is only two years old. This might be the third year. I think it could be the, second. Yeah, I think this is the second season it's been open for hockey. Yeah. So either way, two new, brand new premium sheets, and they looked great. And like I said, neither of those games really devolved into runaways. Uh, Hopkinton wound up beating Norwood 5-1. But again, that didn't become the case until the second half. So you want to tell me that maybe some teams could make more adjustments between that second and third period. I think that's clear. We've seen that uh, for years, and this is something we've never even thought about. But we also, or I learned yesterday, I was talking with um, some of the BC High players after the game, talked with Brian Bulger. He's a senior there now. And he said they've been doing the same thing in the half season, the junior half season formats that they play prior to the start of the hockey season, mm. high school season. So the players are kind of used to it now in that regard, assuming they've been playing since, um, you know, August or September, I guess, with these new rules. Um, I can't imagine this is going to hang over in future seasons that are pandemic free. Uh, but for now, this looks to be the way most leagues are going. And of course, because there's no postseason, it's not like we're going to have to have. Uh, you know, I don't think we can criticize anybody for having different sets of rules between the leagues when, you know, pretty much everything is league play. It is interesting, though, and I'm looking forward to when I finally do get to see a Patriot League hockey game and see what it looks like with those three 15-minute periods still. Uh, and also, mind you, again, there's no real locker room this year. Teams are uh, stationed outside their locker room, spread out in chairs six feet apart. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that affects how, what kind of adjustments you can make. You know, I've never been inside a locker room uh, between periods. I've never had Coach Hall or huh. Coach Messina or somebody like that. Uh, two, you know, totally different, the X's and O's. <laughs> two totally different levels of success <laughs> there, too, by the way. No, nevertheless. So, <laughs> the uh, only time our names so are I, mentioned in the same I, sentence. So I don't know how that is going to affect uh the adjustments and the strategy, but like I've said, none of these games have really gotten away from teams until the second half. So, so far, I don't think it's been a competitive issue, uh, if nothing else. Yeah, you know, one of the a couple of things that we, we did between periods, I, I really appreciated the break between the first and second period um, because it gave us an opportunity to look at what had happened, what sort of strategies the other team was running that we could make an adjustment for um, that, you know, maybe our scouting didn't catch or maybe there's something they're doing differently than they had done in the games that we had watched them or in previous games we had played against them. So it gave us an opportunity to kind of say, okay, we've got 30 minutes left of this 45 minute game. What sort of things can we do to, to adjust in the second period going forward? And then that break between the second and third period is when you really decide, you know, if it's a close game, are we going to shorten our are we going to shorten our benches? Are we going to make a line change here, or are we going to you know switch a goalie out? What kinds of operation operational audits are we making here? Uh, and then you know the other thing in, inside the locker room is the position groups get together too, and I would imagine that that's not going to happen in in this sort of format because everyone has to stay separated. Lastly, 
every once in a while a colorful speech is made in the locker room, uh, you know, by a coach or by a, a captain or, you know, a player who's lighting, uh, looking to light a fire under someone, um, you know, and those things, those things happen behind closed doors. And uh, that's obviously not going to happen here in this environment. Uh, you know, there, there was a, a time where I, um, it was one team in particular that I had, I was kind of well known for, you know, when I really lost my temper, which isn't much, and it's not like a temper temper, but you know, I'd slam my clipboard down on the ground in the locker room, and uh, at the banquet, those kids got me the the Wii, the Nintendo Wii strap, uh, <laughs> a controller strap on a, on a clipboard. So I had like a little wrist strap on my clipboard from now on. Um, but you know, that's an aside. I, I would, yeah, that those sort of changes are going to be difficult to make. And then, like you said, the ice. You know, I, I think depending upon the team, depending upon the temperature outside and inside, uh, and the the game the number of games that have occurred before that game could really dictate how the ice looks and i am sure that these rink managers are pulling their hair out right now based on you know we're not getting gates we're not getting um we're not having as many games and practices in here as we used to uh we can't get as many people on the ice uh and and here we are we're now now we're not even treating the ice the way that we usually treat the ice um the you know conditioning it every fifteen every fifteen minutes of hockey now it's twenty two and a half minutes what sort of what sort of thing does it do to the ice long term right um, but you know not nice scientist just play one on TV <laughs> so you, you know, know the weather's been decent too yeah. uh, from a hockey perspective right. you know it's been it's been temperate I guess you know upper thirties for most of uh, the last couple of weeks and I think it's gonna stay about that for the next couple of weeks so hopefully we don't have any. Uh, ice issues that would just compound to the myriad other issues that we're uh, facing right now. Yeah, yeah, and looking at scores of games that have happened, uh, you know, it things sort of seem to be playing the way that you would have expected them to outside of the postponements. Uh, you know, schools like Marshfield are on a pause. Uh, I believe Malden Catholic is on a pause. Um, you know, th- there are there are some schools that have had to deal with, obviously, with with COVID. Uh, but when you look at the scores so far that you're seeing, things seem to be kind of you know falling into place of regular high school hockey. I think of the three boys games I've seen, certainly uh, they were scores that I would have expected. Now, to Norwood's credit, after they lost to Hopkinton 5-1 in the opener, and that was uh, Pavi Mera for Hopkinton. He had a hat trick in that game. Uh, the Mustangs came back, and they won 9-1 to in Hopkinton, or in Marlboro, which is their home rink. On Saturday, so I think that's a credit to uh, the job Chuck Allen is uh, going to be able to do there with Norwood uh, as they start to get a little more comfortable in the Tri Valley League. I believe this is their third year now competing in the TVL. And uh, Chris McPherson, great coach at Hopkinton, of course, had them on the brink of a state championship in 2019. Lost a lot of talent, but they do have Mara back um, among a few others. So. Uh, those scores, you know, I think I was surprised that they were both kind of lopsided in terms of one team beating the other, but I'm not surprised that those teams split. In terms of the Walpole-Milton game, uh, Walpole, as we know, was one of these teams that was deprived a chance to play at the TD Garden last March. They won the D1 South uh, final against Archies, one to nothing, set to play at Belmont, and then the pandemic breaks out, and yada, yada, yada. They don't get to play again until 10 months and a day later. They have 18 players back, this Walpole team. And I think a lot of people, uh, myself included, were just sort of stunned that Walpole emerged out of that D1 South bracket 
when you had Hingham coming back out of the Super A. You had Falmouth looking like they were set to go on a run. You had a very good Duxbury team that was the defending state champion. And there's Walpole outlasting all of them. I know they didn't beat every single one of those teams, but it was like, all right, let's see what Walpole has here. And uh, so unfortunately, they never got a chance to really validate the run they went on there, winning their final six games of last season, including four in the tournament. But again, with all these guys back, I think they're probably the cream of the crop in the Bay State Conference, especially when we don't know yet if Framingham is going to be able to have a season, which is really just a shame because you talk about a talented group of kids that Will Ortiz has up there in Framingham. They uh, made one of their best runs ever, I believe, in the Super 8 last year. I think in terms of how far they made it, it was their uh, best run. And I know they graduated Will Trasquita, a few other players, but I would have loved to see Framingham this year. And we still could. That's not, uh, nothing's uh, set in stone there. But Walpole, again, I'm looking forward to seeing them. Their goalie, Jack Curran, is back. And uh, they're one of those teams that, you know, I'm not sure exactly where their offense is going to come from, but on Saturday night, it looked pretty good. They got three goals there against Milton, and I think they're going to win a lot of games. 2-0, 3-0, 3-1, whatever, because they're that good defensively. Uh, Ron Dowd always preaches it. If you when in doubt, get back to where you're supposed to be in the defensive zone. If it feels like you're running around, get back. And uh, that's the way they looked against Milton. And then in terms of the game I saw yesterday, BC High CM, uh, looking at the rosters, you know, there was a lot of returning talent on both teams. I know CM had their great goalie back, Dom Leka. BC High had um, a lot of talent back. You know, I mentioned Bulger, Aiden McDonald. You got the Joyce's back. A few guys like that. Uh, Paul Terry as well, the defenseman. But then it was one of the freshmen, James Marshall, out of Weymouth. He scored two goals uh, for BC High yesterday. And now this is when I start feeling really old. I was a freshman in high school when a freshman in high school now was born. <laughs> kind of kind of freaked me out when I was looking at the roster and seeing the birth dates of these players. But anyway, <laughs> right, right. Uh, BC High, you know, I think I expected them to win yesterday. I certainly didn't expect them to win uh, 7-1. to one. And, you know, John Flaherty told us after the game, you, you know, you like the way the kids look in practice, but you don't know what you have until you play somebody. And, uh, you know, it's going to be so tough this year to project how a team would have done in the Super 8, but I think BC High clearly would have been a Super 8 team, a top three or four team in the state. And, unfortunately, we're just never going to get a chance to know uh, what their true ceiling was. But a lot of these teams, they're still playing for league titles, you know, still have those to go for. And uh, BC High won the Catholic Conference last year, and I think they're the team to beat again uh, based on what I saw yesterday. But again, I haven't seen Zaveri. I haven't seen St. John's Prep. I haven't seen newcomer St. John's Shrewsbury, which is now a full-time member of the Catholic Conference. And we know how good they are. I'm all than Catholic. You know, we there's a... You know, there's already no easy outs in the Catholic Conference, and you had a great program like St. John's Shrewsbury there with uh, Coach Michael Mead, and it just gets even more intriguing. Now, do we know if they're doing a, a, a Catholic Conference Cup at the end of the season? So this is another one of those things that's just not uniform across leagues. You think back to the fall, and if you were following high school sports in the fall, you saw the Patriot League, the Hockamock League, the Cape and Islands League. And I think that was it um, at South Shore League as well. So a lot of leagues down south did, um, you know, the Hockamock Cup, if you will, or the Patriot Cup for field hockey, boys and girls soccer, things like that. You didn't see much of it up north. I didn't see a Middlesex League Cup. I didn't see a Merrimack Valley Conference Cup, Dual County League Cup, Northeastern Conference, et cetera, et cetera. 
I'm kind of drawing a blank on if the Catholic Conference did anything. I would certainly hope so because that would be an awesome tournament. Right. Uh, but as of now, I don't know. I think they are. I believe I've read that uh, when I was looking at his variant schedule. Um, but, you know, a lot of it's going to come down to how many games these teams can get in prior to that. Because even though BC High and CM were able to play yesterday, I know a few other schools within the league have already had to go on shutdown. And schools not just in the Catholic Conference. You know, look at the Patriot League right now. Hingham, Silver Lake, Whitman Hanson, Marshfield, they're all on pause. Uh, down on the Cape and Islands, uh, Barnstable, Falmouth are on pause. I believe Sandwich is on pause. I think maybe every league uh, or every team in the Cape right now is on pause. And they're going to start up uh, later this week. So... It's one of those things, you know, kind of like the college football uh, playoff. You remember all that controversy with Ohio State? Oh, they only <laughs> played five games. How can they be in the Big Ten uh, Conference Championship? I wonder if we're going to see, you know, if some of these teams are only able to play five or six games and some others are able to play, you know, eight or nine. I wonder if they're even going to bother with a league tournament. I hope they do. I, yeah. I hope everybody has yeah. a league tournament. As long as it's safe to do so, of yeah, now, course. Now you look, have to throw that caveat in. Right. Now, look, Dabo Sweeney is still trying to figure out how Ohio State is in the national championship tonight <laughs> against Alabama. That's a whole other story for another day. I, I do want to take a look at the Patriot League and some surprise. You know, we had earlier in our episode last week, we kind of did a little bit of a preview and some interesting games we thought we'd see. Um, but to start, uh, Duxbury is 0-2-1 to start here as they've faced sort of what would, I guess would be considered the brass of the Patriot League thus far, having still avoided playing Marshfield or Hingham yet. Um, you know, they've lost five to five to two and five to one against Hanover and a four four tie against Plymouth North. Uh, and their next game is was should have been scheduled for. Well, let's see. They they've moved a lot of things around. They were supposed to play uh, Whitman Hansen on the ninth. That ended up being a Hanover game. And then they were supposed to play Hingham on the 13th. Now that is a Plymouth South game. And that was uh, that 5:30 game against uh, against Hingham was originally going to be a My Hockey Live game, I believe. Yep, it was. And you know those two losses to Hanover, you know as well as I know, as well as hopefully everybody else knows by now that Hanover is probably the best non-Division One team in the South section. I mean, I'll throw Canton some love as well it's the it's them too you know in any given year canton and hanover are as good as certainly most of the public schools in division one that are kind of on that super eight line because in any given year and this isn't every year but in most years those schools have enough depth to be able to skate with your Hingham's, your Duxbury's, your Marshfield's. Hanover's beaten Duxbury, I believe, three of the last four years now. It could even be more than that. And Hanover, uh, you know, they were another one of these teams, unfortunately, didn't get to play at the Garden last year. Manning Morris and Nate Delpreet, they're both back. Manning Morris is already well north of 100 points. Delpreet is over 90 last I checked uh, via Jim Clark, so I'll take that as uh, gold. And, you know, I don't know if he's over 100 through three games yet, but he's going to get close. So Hanover, and this is, again, one of the things with this year, I was hoping we could finally see Hanover Hingham. And, you know, maybe with all these cancellations and the shuffling, we'll finally get to see it. But I'm not surprised that Hanover is off to the start that they are. And obviously the great coaching staff there as well. You can't overlook the coaching staff when a program is this consistent with Johnny Abbott and Danny Daly and uh, Jeff Ray there. So, 
Yeah, the Hanover start doesn't really surprise me. And I know Duxbury, uh, their team, I think they tend to start a little slow usually, see what they have, and then they tend to get hot uh, down the stretch. They usually play well in Falmouth down at the Buddy Ferreira Classic. And then, you know, if it's like 2019, you ride the hot goaltender, Steve Pisani, you can find yourself a Division One state championship out of it. Uh, it's just another one of those things this year. I'm already uh, angry we're not going to have a Buddy Ferreira Classic. But, uh no, I'm not really surprised by Hanover's success to start the season when you have two uh, seasoned pros like Morris and Delpreet leading the charge. But you know what? There's probably even more guys on that team I'm just drawing a blank on right now. Yeah, and, and to look at um, a team like Pope Francis that came out came out east, I suppose to, you, you would call it. Uh, they had a game against Bridgewater Rain. I'm certainly not a traditional opponent. Uh, they drove from you know where they are, way out west in Springfield, uh, all the way out to Bridgewater. They had a seven nothing win over Bridgewater Rainham. Pope Francis <laughs> doesn't matter who they're playing, where they're playing, they're still rolling. So I was told that Pope Francis tried to get in the Catholic Conference for this year, uh, just you know one year only uh, reunion or union, I guess it would make sense, and uh, they were turned down. So. They're really scrapping together. They've been able to play some Catholic Central opponents, Austin Prep, St. Mary's Lynn. I think they have Bishop Fenwick on their schedule, some schools like that. But then they're also playing these schools in leagues that are very tiny anyways, like Bridgewater Random in the SEC. There's only three hockey-playing schools in the SEC right now, BR, Dartmouth. That was actually a game I was supposed to cover Saturday was BR, Dartmouth. And it got canceled, of course, because that's just the times we're living in. And then Durfee, of course, which is in Fall River. So uh, it's just sort of a marriage of convenience there, I guess. Quick note on Bridgewater Random. Uh, their new coach this year, Scott Harlow, oh, runs, yeah. the bridge, runs the Bridgewater Ice Arena. He's a former Stonehill coach. That's does, some does some scouting for the Oilers, I'm told, as well. So looking forward to uh, getting to check out a BR game at some point. I know our own Joey McDermott is a BR alum, class of 2017. I'm sure he has some uh, thoughts on that. So pretty exciting that BR was able to play Pope Francis, even if it was a 7-0 score and even if it was uh, – you know, a matchup that I don't think would ever have happened if this were a quote-unquote normal season. Uh, but nevertheless, I think that's good exposure for BR and uh, good on Pope Francis for making the most of a horrible situation when they're out west and there's really just nobody to play out there. Uh, and they're able to come east and they're making it work, as you knew they would with Coach Brian Foley, one of the best in the business. Yeah, they got three real long road trips in their first four games. They had Bridgewater. Uh, Ice Arena in uh, against Bridgewater Rainham. Then they've got uh, on Wednesday night they're coming to the Canton Sportsplex to play Archbishop Williams. That's a 7 p.m. start, so I would imagine they're leaving. They're leaving school at what three o'clock to get there on time, and they get home around midnight, I'm sure. Uh, and then they're home against Austin Prep, which is a long ride for Austin Prep. But then right back at it uh, in on the quote unquote East Coast, they're playing. Um, <laughs> They're playing Bishop Fian at the New England Sports Village in North Attleboro. So a couple of real long rides there for them. Yep. Uh, Fian, you know, that's another um, thing that's sort of gone under the radar this year is that Bishop Fian and Bishop Stang are both now full members of the Catholic Central. So they're playing, you know, along with Archie's, which is sort of down south or in the south section. Uh, they're in the same league now with your St. Mary's, your Austin Preps, Bishop Fenwick's, uh, Arlington Catholics. So... Uh, Fian and Sting, two very good lower division programs. Sting almost always seems to be in that D3 South 
a semifinal uh, before they run into Hanover. And Fian, they went all the way to the D2 South final last year before they fell to Canton. So exciting to see what those programs can do now with a new opportunity, uh, getting to play some higher quality uh, competition after the EAC folded. And that's sort of been a long time coming. Coyle and Cassidy and Taunton closed. Uh, Somerset Berkeley, which had been in the EAC, they went to the South Coast Conference. Martha's Vineyard jumped out a few years prior. Uh, to join that new Cape and Islands League. And I guess if you go all the way back, the EAC was sort of made up of schools that went on to form the South Coast Conference and even the Mayflower uh, in some cases. So uh, it is the, it's like the Southwest Conference in college football is now just a memory. <laughs> it's unfortunate there on that. You hate to see the schools that, that fold or, or that lose programs. Um, you know, I, Stoughton Brockton comes to mind, right? You think about, you know, Dan Mark at Stoughton has been there forever and, uh, you know, real uh institution really in the coaches association yeah and, and then um to and having brockton you know be sort of a power of the big three for as long as they were in hockey um to have that uh now be a co-op at least they're able to keep you know keep those schools involved um to, to a huge huge win there it's better better than nothing for right, sure and right. i know stoughton uh the stoughton brockton co-op i believe Last season played what would have been an SEC type of schedule, even though they were an independent. This year, they're playing a Hockamock League schedule, so they're playing against uh, your Cantons, North Attleboro, um, you know, Foxborough, schools like that in the Hockamock uh, lower division, Davenport. And I don't, I don't mean lower division in terms of competition. I mean uh, enrollment-wise, of right, course, right, right, Davenport. Right. So uh, any games on the horizon that we're looking forward to this week, Jake? So we're hoping to get out to the Canton Ice House and see Zavarian open up against BC High on uh, Wednesday. That game will be on My Hockey Live. I know we were supposed to have Hingham Duxbury up at Pilgrim. That would have been very exciting. Uh, I know Lowell, but unfortunately that's been postponed. Um, also on Wednesday, we've got a Lowell game. We're uh, taking our talents up to Songus. We're going to see Lowell Haverhill on My Hockey Live for you uh, MVC fans. And uh, coming up on Saturday, got a big slate. Again, this is all subject to change. I hate to keep uh, mentioning that with uh, the times we're living in here. But we've got the Warriors for Warriors, Patriots for Patriots game between Conquer Carlisle and Lincoln Sudbury. That game is going to be on MHL. That's at 3 o'clock on Saturday. Got Waltham, Newton South. That's going to be on My Hockey Live from uh, John Ryan Arena. They're in uh, Watertown. That's at 12.20. And our schedule still says Quincy at Hingham, but I'm not sure if Hingham's going to be clear that quarantine by then quite yet. So uh, check back on that. Uh, just keep checking the schedule. That's my advice uh, for everybody out there. Uh, stay vigilant on social media because these things are changing uh, by the second, really, um, and new matchups are being formed. Some non-league matchups even that we didn't think we were going to get to see starting to come into the picture uh, with all these cancellations. So it's just uh, it's one of those things we're not even doing our games to watch feature in the globe every week because, you know, if you publish that on Monday and you have a game to watch on Saturday, mm-hmm. it could have gone through three or four different iterations by the time it finally gets played or canceled. Yeah, two that I'm looking forward to on Saturday, should they happen, would be Braintree Weymouth and then... Um... Moving a little further down the South Shore, Hanover versus Marshfield, but we'll see. Uh, should should those two matchups actually occur, uh, Jake? I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say uh, we open up with the NHL this week. 
Um, really looking forward to seeing what the new look Bruins look like under uh, brand new captain Patrice Bergeron. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw the the video the Bruins put out when they announced Bergeron's uh, new captainship, but uh, they originally posted uh, they posted a video where they you know get everybody in the locker room together and Butch Cassidy's in there and you've got you know Neely and Sweeney are down there and they they've got a jersey in their hand and so we got a big announcement on the new captain. Uh, we're really excited. This player has really grown through his time here and had a, a you know such an impact on us and. Uh, meant so much to the city. Um, congratulations, Brad Marchand. And he gets up and they give him a 63 jersey with a C on it. And everybody in the room was in on it except for Bergeron and um, handled it like a pro, of course. And then Berge- and then Marchand gets up and says, no, guys, this isn't for me. Uh, Bergie, come on up. You're the real captain. Congratulations. This And, you know, Bergeron gets up and is a class act about the whole thing. Um, Too good. Yeah. Too good. yeah the, you the know, Bergeron was drafted 18 years ago. It's crazy, right? Why? And even Marshawn was drafted 15 years ago at this point, and yeah. Krejci 17. So it really, I mean, Bergeron was the no brainer choice, of course, but I don't think you could have gone wrong uh, with any of those three guys. Yeah, it's funny. I, you know, on my. Uh, Facebook memories of picture popped up. My I had won tickets. Uh, uh, Nesson has season tickets right behind the Bruins bench. They have four great seats, uh, and I had won them in an auction. And um, we ended up on TV for most of the game, not, you know, <laughs> just because of where we were sitting. Uh, but that picture popped up on Facebook this morning, and on the bench, I'm looking at the players on the and coaches on the bench. The only person remaining on that bench from the shot that I had is is David Krejci. Uh, wow. That was nine years ago in 2011 when we had or 2012. We had those tickets. But uh, really uh, interesting, the transformation the, the you know, the bus, the bus keeps moving. Right. Um, we'll, we'll see uh, how this season plays out for the Bruins. It's, you know, if the NBA is any indicator because they're playing a similar style to the NHL and that they're playing in these home venues uh, with no fans except in Florida, because while well, Florida I'm a little scared. Will you be able to tell when? You, will you be able to tell if the Panthers have no fans or had fans though? Oh, I love those releases. that are like, oh, the Panthers are going to let in 25 percent of the fans, so the Panthers are going to have a regular home game. It'll feel like <laughs> 2015 in a right. Florida game, right? But uh, no, seriously, it's and this is one thing I don't understand with the NBA here. How can Jason Tatum be deemed a close contact of Robert Williams, but you know, Jalen Brown can't be if they were all on the floor or on the bench at the same time. And then after all that, it's the Heat who don't have enough players to play what would have been the game on Sunday. Uh, I just think it's going to be stop and go like that in the NHL. I guess if nothing else, at least the NHL is only is keeping it uh, within the divisions rather than... Um, playing a full league schedule like the NBA is doing that kind of surprised me that the NBA I figured the NBA would be a little more ahead of the ball in that regard uh because they seem to be a little more ahead of the ball on well everything uh (laughs) all sorts of issues than really every other league you want to get right down to it but uh we're seeing you know how special the bubble was now and you sort of take it for granted that it's going to be very stop and go and you know, there was an asterisk on the 2020 championship. I think it's going to be an even bigger one on the 2021 final. I hate to say it. Hope I'm wrong. Hope things really turn around in the next uh, two or three months. And, you know, at that point, things will be on the up and up. But what's that going to do to the product in the regular season? And is that going to mean any unworthy teams are getting in? And I'm talking both NBA and NHL here. 
Uh, but from NHL perspective, uh, like we've said with the high school game, something's better than nothing. I'm very excited for Thursday night and the Beast. Yeah, and I think one thing that the NHL has over the NBA is the taxi squad uh, because yep. there, there is no G League uh, going right now. So there's no sort of ability to pull guys up and have, have them at the ready where the NHL does have that crew sort of waiting in the wings if, if there's a if there's an outbreak, right? So uh, if the NFL is any uh, indicator, uh, player safety is certainly not at the forefront of this thinking. It's more of the all ID dollar. Uh, so we will leave it there. Yep. Jake, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, My Hockey Live with a slew of broadcasts this week. Again, check the website, myhockeylive.com, for the most up-to-date schedules and scores, uh, of course, with cancellations coming here, there, and everywhere. Uh, you want to make sure you check out the website before, um, you know, heading over to your local rank, I suppose. All right, Brandon. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, and we will see you next week. Go hockey.